thank the Lord for all things. But let's get into God's word for today. James, James chapter number 5, verse 13. Very beautiful scripture. I love it so much. James 5.13. James 5.13. We know where James is. We know where James is. James is after which book? James comes after Hebrews before First Peter. James comes after Hebrews, First Peter. I think one of the things next week I'll do a quiz. I'm giving you, I'm giving you a pop before next week, right? I'm giving you the questions I'll ask before. Next. The quiz will be name the 27 books of the New Testament and name the 13 letters of Paul. And then the books of the Old Testament. And the other question is, is Zedekiah one of the books of the Old Testament? <laughs> 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 the reason I'm doing this, you don't want to go somewhere and somebody will quote Abraham chapter 4 verse 5 and you... <laughs> That's, you should walk out of the... <laughs> You understand? Yeah, but you know Zephaniah is in the Bible. Who is Zephaniah? Anyways, we'll find out more about it. Anyway, James chapter 5, verse 13. I love the scripture. The Bible says, Is any amongst you afflicted? Is the question James is putting forth. And what is the solution to it? Is that let him complain. Uh, yeah. Let him argue with other people. Hmm. Oh, Bennett, is, is, is that not what your Bible says? Let him frustrated. Felicia. What does your Bible say? Is any amongst you afflicted? Let him murmur and be angry and throw tantrums all over the place. Let him be downcast. Let him give up all hope because of the affliction. But what does the Bible say? Is any amongst you afflicted? What does it say? Let me what is affliction by the way James James puts it very very you know he, he, he puts the thing very straightforward that if any amongst you afflicted let him pray meaning the solution to affliction in our lives is prayer the word of God is like a, prescri a prescription drug the doctor prescribes for you so for every problem there's a prescription for it and the prescription of God for affliction is prayer. But one of the things I've realized is we do everything but pray when we are afflicted. We complain, we murmur, we discuss, we get downcast, we get frustrated, we talk a lot. We become discouraged, we become angry, we throw tantrums, we start doubting, we become faithless. And the one solution that God has given to us in His Word to combat affliction, which is prayer, we don't do. 
the next time a brother calls you and talks about his affliction with you for more than 30 minutes, ask the brother, have you prayed? Hallelujah. Don't you think it's simple enough? Or it's too complicated? Is any amongst you afflicted? It's a question. He said, let him pray. What is affliction? Affliction here comes from the Greek word kakopasio, which means to undergo hardship. Hallelujah. So the question James is putting for it is any of you undergoing hardship by reason of encountering some evil in your life or being ill-treated? The solution is let him pray. Let him pray. Stop complaining. Don't murmur. Don't talk too much. Pray. Pray. Why did James say that? Why did James say that? Or why is the prescription of God for affliction prayer? You see, the Bible says something in the book of Romans chapter number 8, I believe. It's a favorite scripture we love to quote. I think it's verse 28. It talks about how all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. But before Paul said those words, in the previous verses, he had mentioned something about prayer. He says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, our weakness. For we know not what we ought to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself naked intercession for us with groanings which words cannot utter. Then after he had made that discourse concerning prayer, he says, All things, for we know all things. The only reason... Or the only way the purpose and plan of God would unfold in our lives when we are going through affliction is when we pray. When we subject that particular situation to prayer, the Bible promises that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will garrison your heart. I want to walk you through this a little bit. The Bible says be anxious for nothing. But by prayer and was supplicated. This is a scripture we quote a lot, right? It says, be anxious for nothing. Meaning when you are afflicted, don't be anxious. But it says, by prayer, just like James prescribed, let him pray. And supplication, make your request known to God. And this is, this is what will happen. It says, and the peace of God, before even your prayer is answered, before the affliction is taken away, this is where we result when you begin to pray. He says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will garrison your heart. I want to tell you why that will happen. Can I tell you? Listen, when the Bible talks about garrison, a garrison is like to mount a guard over something. All right? 
in those days when kingdoms are established they build a garrison around the main cities so that nobody can overtake them or nobody can overpower them so those walls they erect around the city they are garrisons hallelujah and people build garrisons around things that are precious to them so you know they always aside the walls around the city there are places they call garrison where they keep their precious things your heart is the most precious possession you have as a believer and it is therein that your faith dwells if God will do anything through you or with you or in your life, you do it through your heart because faith abides in your heart. Hallelujah. Faith is not a mind thing. It's a heart thing. So the first thing you do when you pray is, as you pray, the peace of God mounts a guard around your heart so that doubt can take over your heart in the situation. The purpose of the devil in affliction is so that you will lose your faith. Because without your faith, God can't do anything in your life. He wants anxiety to take over your heart. He wants frustration to take over your heart. He wants every other thing but faith to take over your heart. And that is the reason he prescribes prayer as the immediate solution to affliction. Do you know that men have lost their faith during afflicted moments when they have, when they have been afflicted? When men face affliction, one of the questions they ask is, why me, O oh Lord? They start questioning God. Oh God, why me? Why me? Why me? Why me? Why is this? And they start complaining. The more they do that, the more faith works out. The more they begin to lose their faith. They are punching holes in their hearts for faith to drain out. And then doubt, the dark cloud of doubt begins to take over their heart. Anxiety begins to take over their heart. And after they have groomed themselves there for long, they produce anger, bitterness, and every other thing you can imagine. Because with that state of heart, nothing can be done in your life by God. So this affliction will persist, and you'll be angry at God. And you will really say, but I prayed about it, but God did not answer. But really, you did not pray. You just complained. You just asked, why me? Why me is not a prayer. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I feel like I'm teaching you this to teach somebody. Somebody has been complaining to you a lot about an affliction. And you've been asking, how should I even help this person? I feel like this message might not necessarily be for you, but might be for somebody. And you go and teach the person, and the person will receive healing through this message. Hallelujah. The peace of God. That's so passes understanding. Why does that piece of us understand? It beats the imagination of men. You can't understand why a man is going through affliction and he's so much at peace. And he's not complaining, he's not memory, he's not talking about it. He's not angry. He's rather rejoicing. He's rather making merry. And he's rather confessing his faith in God. It's a peace that blows the imaginations of men. That's why it's called peace that surpasses all understanding. So the divine prescription for affliction, when you are undergoing hardship, is to pray. 
Hallelujah. Is to pray. Is to pray. No matter the kind of hardship it may be. No matter the kind of affliction. It may be a sickness, financial hardship, marital hardship, whatever it is, pray. That is the first, that should be your first response. Hallelujah. Listen, the Bible says in the book of Psalm 34, verse 19, that many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are what? The afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers them out of it all. Meaning that we have the promise of deliverance when we are faced with any kind of affliction. Let this promise be with you. That the Lord will deliver you. How will he deliver you? Through his word. The psalmist says something. He says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. He says, but now your Lord do I keep. Then he continued to say, unless I had kept your law, I would have perished in my affliction. It's in the book of Psalm 116. I think 116 verse 120 something. The longest chapter in the Bible. It says, before I was afflicted, I w-. there are certain afflictions that come in our line because we stray from the word of God. When you stray from God's word, you expose yourself to the elements of this world. You have left your covering. Do you know the word of God is your covering? It is your covering. When you stray from God's word, you expose yourself to all forms of attack. So the psalmist said, before I went as before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now do your law I keep. So no matter the kind of affliction you face in your life, remember one. You have an assured promise of the Father that he would deliver you, even if it is you straying out of the the word of God or the will of God. God will still deliver you. How? Through his word. And it would all be made possible if and only if you pray. He never said complain. He never said murmur. He said pray. He did not even say seek advice from people. Not that, you know, seeking advice from other believers concerning a situation in your life is not good. But that your first thing you should do is to pray before you, you seek any advice. Hallelujah. Amen. Pray. That is the solution of God. Amen. Amen. Well, anyways. That is number one for today. Number two. <laughs> I told you, Pastor Sam, my messages I preach or the things we talk about during encounter, they are things the Lord lays on my heart. He deems them important to share. So he lays it on my heart and there is no specific title. If he gives me a title and a, around, then we'll do that. Number two. Growth in your Christian work is very, very important. And growth in our Christian walk does not come by being just in the faith for so many years. I know we all know that. Hallelujah. Amen. Mm-hmm. 
there are conscious steps we have to take in order to grow and mature in the faith. I want to show you something in the Bible concerning the heart of Christ, concerning the growth of the disciples. And that is the same heart concerning us also. Hallelujah. Because the way he responded to the disciples is the same way he responds to us. Matthew chapter number 15, verse 16. Matthew chapter number 15, verse 16. If you have your Bibles. We've spoken about affliction, right? But this time we are talking about growth. Matthew 15, 16. Look at it quickly. Jesus, let me give you a little um, background here. Jesus has spoken to them a parable that, you know, it is not what goes into a man's mouth that makes him unclean or defiles him, but what comes out of his mouth. That is what makes a man unclean and defiles him. And, you know, the Bible says after Jesus has said that, the disciples came to him and told him that the Pharisees were offended by what he had said. And Jesus didn't. Jesus just simply replied that, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be torn up by the roots. And he says, leave them alone. They are blind guides. And if a blind man leads a blind man, they will fall into a ditch. But you see, Peter asked Jesus, please explain to us this parable. <laughs> so you see, when Jesus gave the parable, the Pharisees were angry at what he said. And the reason they were angry was because either one, they understood it and did not like what he said. Or two, they just did not understand it and in their confusion, they got angry at Jesus because, you know, most people, when they, are, when they are confused, they get angry. Do you realize that? When people are confused, they get angry. <laughs> oh. oh, Jesus. For those of us who, who, are, who are parenting, when your children are confused, they get angry. When you see your children... Being angry at anything, one of the reasons is because they are confused. So just sit them down and find out if they are confused or not. Hallelujah. Verse 60, look at what Jesus said. He said to them, and he said, Are you also even yet dull and ignorant without understanding? In simple words, Jesus replied to them, Are you also yet without understanding? Marion. Jesus was looking at Peter like, what? You, you, you don't understand what I said? Like, he was surprised. Mm. Bottom line, Jesus was surprised at the ignorance and lack of understanding of Peter and the disciples. And listen to the way he put it. He says, are you also yet? That means that Jesus expected that by this time, having worked with him all these months, they should have grown and matured in their understanding to the point where they would easily grasp the parable that he told them. But the disciples did not. And I tell you, brethren, that is how sometimes God responds to us. Growth in the faith, maturity in the faith, is an expectation of the Father. We are not suggested to, to grow. You understand? It is not, um, if I may put it, God is not advising us to grow. No. 
we are commanded and charged to grow. Peter said, but grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. He says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a charge. It's a command. We are commanded to grow. You must grow. You must mature. You see, and we do know that growth comes in many facets, right? But the key thing for growth is the Word of God. See, the Word of God prepares you for two things. The Word of God molds you to become, and the Word of God enables you to do these two things. That's the purpose of God's Word. It molds you to become, and it prepares you to do. Meaning that as a believer, if you are growing, you are becoming. And if you are growing, you are doing. The more you grow, the more you become. The more you grow, the more you do. What are you becoming? Becoming more like Christ. Assuming the nature of Christ. What are you doing? You are being of service in the kingdom of God. You are availing yourself more and more for the work of the kingdom of God. Maturity in the faith leads to more doing. You do more. Because you see, works are a product of faith. The Bible talks about you know, your works of faith. As you are growing in, in faith, you know, the more you grow in faith, the more works you produce, the more you'll be useful in the hands of God, the more your heart will yearn to do more for God. The reason people are not doing much for God is because they are not growing. And there's something I love so much about the Word of God. Do you know that you can measure your growth in faith? You can, you can, you can. You can tell whether you are growing or you are not growing. Ask yourself. And so, these are all the things that, you know, you can just sit and ask yourself. Last year, around this time, in May, where was I spiritually? And where am I spiritually now? You must ask yourself that question. You know, every every believer must ask him. Last month, where was I? Am I still at the same place? Am I still at the same level spiritually? What do I mean by level? I mean, am I still at the same level of understanding spirit? Has your understanding increased concerning the things of the spirit? Do you still reason about things the same way you used to? Or through the word of God, your understanding has deepened? If not, you are not growing. And let me put it this way. God is not happy. Hmm. Pastor Sam, why are you saying God is not happy? I thought God is always happy with me. No. That is a lie from the pit of hell. It's only the few good messages that will, make, will tell you that. There are things God is not happy about in our lives. And we must face it. The reason I can talk to you this way is because we are maturing. And we must... Set for the truth in plain words in love. When Jesus wrote to the churches, he always had, he, the first thing he said is, I know your works. All the seven churches in the book of Revelation, he says, I know your works, Bennett. And then you go on to talk about the, the things they are doing well. And then he would say, but I have this against you. There were only two churches Jesus did not have anything against. 
He said, but there's one church, he did not even have anything good to say about them. That's the Laodicean church. And that's the, you know, many scholars believe that the church present now is the Laodicean church. Because they claim that, you know, we are rich, we don't need anything. But Jesus said, they don't know they are poor, and they are naked, and they are blind. Concerning the Laodicean church, Jesus did not have anything good to say. Every, their report card was full of F, 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 F. But to them, in their eyes, they had A, A, A because they were rich. They had big buildings and cathedrals. When you go to their churches, it is carpeted with wool. The background, the stage, there's lightning, there's light and all those things. They acquire, they wear white and then some shining things. And they had all those things. Their puppet is made from, it's an aquarium and all those things. Still, their report card was F. In the sight of God, they were failing bad. But in their own sight, they were succeeding good. Isn't that so <laughs> Very, very dangerous. You see, you can, ju- you can measure. You can tell if you are growing or not. I remember when I was born, I'm sharing my own, and I believe that most of us all have experiences. When you got born again, you know, you could tell that, you know, you are growing. You are gaining understanding. One of the things that gave me so much joy is when I gain new knowledge of the Word of God. And one of the things I used to do is I used to, I spend I spend most of my time with the Bible alone, and God will be pouring revelation to me and teaching me and teaching me. I said, "Wow!" And I remember my understanding concerning spiritual things was deepening. And. The way I realized that when that was happening, the way I was reasoning about situations began to change. And my understanding began to change. And because that was changing, the way I spoke also changed. When I speak, wisdom comes out. No wonder Elihu said, I said, let age speak. Let gray hair speak. But there is a spirit in man, and it is the inspiration of the Most High that gives him understanding. That young man, sitting among elders, poured out wisdom that the elders did not even have. Why? Because he matured spiritually. And brethren, you can measure your spiritual growth. You now you can measure it. Spiritual growth is not measured by how many things you've been able to acquire in your life. No, 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 no. That's not spiritual. That does not tell whether you are growing spiritually or not. No. It does not tell. Spiritual growth is measured by two things. Like I told you, the Word of God prepares you to become and prepares you to do. Are you becoming more like Christ, assuming more and more of the nature of God? And are you doing the more you grow, the more you do. The more you recognize the agency of the work of God. And you will give yourself fully. When I see people who don't want to do God's work, who always give excuses. Oh, today, give an excuse. It's because, you see, they are babes. They are children. They are still children. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, brethren, what am I trying to point out? Spiritual growth is necessary. And you must never get to a place where you plateau, that you have arrived. You've never arrived. Hallelujah. You've never arrived. Amen. 
You've never arrived. We are still growing. You've never arrived. <laughs> because we must come to the fullness, the full stature of the measure of the Christ. Jesus. <laughs> the Bible says that Jesus, he grew in wisdom. And he touched before men and God. Are you growing? Paul says something. He said, when I was a child, First Corinthians 13, 11. He said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I reasoned. He said, I understood as a child and I thought as a child. This is the meaning of what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, when I was a child, I spoke as a child because I understood as a child. I understood as a child because I reasoned or I thought as a child. But he says, when I grew, I put away childish ways. Paul was not talking about when he grew physically. He was talking about when he grew spiritually. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus asked the disciples, are you also yet without understanding? Meaning it was an expectation of Christ that by now, you should be at a certain level. Do you know that he set targets for for us? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I want to show you some spiritual things here. Jesus said, "Why would he ask the disciples that if he was if there was not a spiritual target he has set for them? The reason God is taking you through where He's taking you through. The reason you are hearing the kind of messages you are hearing. The reason God is leading you to the places where He's leading is because." He has a target for you. By the end of this year, I want to see my son at this place. Hmm. I want to see my son at this place. I want to see that he's, and he's... The more you grow, the more you are enabled to handle situations. God cannot entrust certain situations into our hands if we have not matured. You understand what I'm talking about? And I'm, I'm not talking about physical. I'm talking about spiritual matters. Not physical matters. Not that the more you grow, God will, have, will entrust you more money. No. There are a lot of young people who have money and they, they, are, they, are, they are still young. I'm talking about spiritual matters. Things that pertain to the spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So, Bebin, when we gather like this for encounter and we share the word of God, the purpose, the word is preparing us to become and to do. It's almost like God has thrown you a measuring line. He's measured the distance for you to cover now. The prophet of God said he saw water flowing out of the temple and as he measured a thousand cubits and he went in the water was at his angle ankle level sorry ankle level and he measured another thousand cubits and he went through and the water was now on his knee measured another thousand cubits it was at his waist as he measured a thousand cubits and kept going he was getting deeper into the river that's how it is. Anytime you hear the word of God, is a measurement God has given you. As you walk with that word and you allow that word to become a part of you, you wade deeper into God. You're maturing. You're maturing. Hallelujah. Amen. Brethren, let me emphasize this. You know, anytime you preach, 
And I'm saying this because all of us, you are all preachers. Amen. <laughs> but me, I'm not a preacher. You are. When Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, he was talking to all of us. You pre- Preaching simply means to declare, to announce. That's all. So you are an announcer. Hallelujah. Amen. Me, I'm a preacher. I'm a preacher. Oh, I didn't hear you. Say with me, I'm, I'm a, a preacher. preacher. I'm a preacher. I'm a preacher. Better to say, I'm an anointed preacher. You see, some of us are not able to say it because we are thinking, hey, am I a preacher? When we talk about preachers, we are talking about people like T.D. Jakes and Pastor Chris. And, uh, people, you know, preaching is not about being able to use the, the coin word and becoming a wordsmith, so to speak. <laughs> that is one of the problems I find with some people here in America. If they find somebody who knows how to, uh, who has dexterity with words, they think he will be a good preacher. No, he's just a good talker. The power of preaching lies in the change in effects. And that only happens by the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost descended on the day of Pentecost, one message by Peter brought 3,000 souls. What are you talking about? That is preaching. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 As for faith generation, I will not let let anybody slip under. We are all preachers. You will pay. Abigail, you will preach. Amen. Irene, you will preach. Hey! Lorraine, you will preach. Is it the poor preach? Poor preach. Eutychus fell asleep in the window. Then because he fell asleep, he fell down and died. Paul went down there, raised him up, and then continued preaching. Marion, you took your paper. Hallelujah. So what am I talking about, Bertie? Growth is an expectation from the Father. It's an expectation. It's an expectation. God expects you to grow. God expects you to grow. God expects you to grow. I always keep saying that. There are people who always say, me, I know I'm not a strong Christian. You've heard me say this before. Me, I know I'm not a strong Christian. 2001, you said that. 2007, you said that. 2015, you said that. 2016, you are still saying, me, I know I'm not a strong Christian. So the question is, when are you going to be strong? When the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Listen, it is not a suggestion. It is not an advice. It is a command. You understand? So you must grow. You must grow. You must. Ask yourself, Last month, where was I? And where am I now today? Spiritually. You don't grow by just being around believers. Oh, I can't go encounter. Oh, we go for church service and we come back. That's not how you grow. Just ask yourself, how deep is your prayer? How deep is your fellowship? Can you see? You see, if you are growing, you will know. 
you know yourself. Hallelujah. Amen. Today, I came to charge you. I did not come to encourage you. This is an admonishment. Hallelujah. Amen. I came under the auspices of the Holy Ghost to charge you to grow. To grow. Don't stop growing. Grow. Grow. Grow in the love of God. Grow in the grace of Grow in the power of God. Grow in the strength of the Spirit. Grow in the character of Christ. Grow in every area of your life. Hallelujah. You must. Oh, you must. Grow in understanding. Do you know that the reason that they called Daniel spiritual was because he had understanding into spiritual things? They said that they have found a man in whom dwells the spirit of the holy gods. The reason they said that concerning Daniel was because he had understanding concerning spiritual things. Hallelujah. Amen. What is your understanding concerning spiritual things? See, and as you grow naturally, you start teaching others too. Mm. Oh, yes. You will naturally start teaching others. And then God can lay responsibility upon you. He's been waiting to do that for so long. The reason heaven rejoiced the day you were born again was because a potential worker has come into the kingdom. The angels were saying, oh yes, we don't have to do the work alone. Another man has come. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A potential worker has come. See, but if you don't go, it's interesting how when we're born again, we're so enthused about the things of God and, you know, the first year we're all out for the, we'll do any work for God. Where our heart is into God's way. As, as we grow, we stop. Meaning that we are not actually growing, we are decreasing. What's the opposite of growth? Anybody knows? Our English doctors, Mary. Entry. Entry is our English doctor. Entry was the opposite of growth. <laughs> oh my goodness. But we'll keep growing. Faith generation will keep growing. Hallelujah. The reason we have seen every day, I, I'm convinced of better things concerning us always. Every day as we study the Word of God, we are growing. We are growing. We are growing in our faith. Here a little, the Bible says that, you know, precept upon precept, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. You don't grow all of a sudden in a day. No. You don't all, all of a sudden become spiritually strong overnight. It never happens. Nobody became spiritually strong overnight. It takes time. Here a little, there a little. Today you take the scripture. Tomorrow you take the scripture. You are building upon it. You hear this message. You take it. You pray on it. You meditate upon it. It becomes a part of you. You are building yourself up. The Bible says about you, beloved, building yourself on your most holy faith. How? 
praying in the Holy Ghost. You hear the word of God. You spend time praying on it. You are building yourself. You realize that your understanding is deepening. Your heart becomes so full of love. It comes naturally. If you are truly growing, certain things in the faith will come naturally to you. That is one of the keys to know that you are growing. Things will come naturally to you. You will not struggle for that. You will not struggle to love. You will not struggle to love. No, it becomes very natural to you. Hallelujah. Amen. So today, there are two things the Lord wants me to mention to us. James 5.13, is any amongst you afflicted? He says, well, let him pray. And I just feel as though the reason God is saying this is that God has seen some of us not praying concerning our affliction, but rather complaining. <laughs> so he says, Sam, you know what, mention this. And then the other thing is, he's also saying, I expect you to grow. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. We give God praise for tonight. Brethren, lift up your voice and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Just lift up your voice and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. In the name of Thank you. 